Some weeks, a lot of weeks, the story just doesn't fall into place. All the parts are there, but it just feels stuck. And this is one of those weeks. So instead, we're going to do one of our Listener Tales episodes. I'm going to make this one a little longer, actually. And you all have some opinions about these listener stories. Apparently, it's quite irritating that I comment along with them. So we're going to try something different. I will be listening to them along with you for the first time, but I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to let them play. I'll meet you back here at the end just to say a nice bye-bye and maybe comment then about what I thought about the stories. And um, I don't know, let me know on Instagram or now on TikTok. Woo, I'm obsessed. Come in very late to the game, but I am in love. I'm at Ghosts in the Burbs and let me know. Do you like the comments during the stories or do you not like them? Or do you just not care? All right, here's your first story. Here we go. Hi, Liz. I just want to say I'm a huge fan and I have a true spooky story for you. My name is Isabella and I'm from Mississippi. I'm not going to change the place that this happened, but the names have been changed. So my dad has an old church on his property. It hasn't been used in a church in like 30 years or more. But my dad used my dad uses it for stores mostly. And then we have like family get togethers and stuff there. So my sister Jessica and I lived in a mobile home on his property. Well, our fridge had went out one time and there's a fridge and a little small kitchen in the church. So we were using the the refrigerator in the church to store food and stuff. So my stepmom has a bunch of old stuff that belonged to her mother that is in the church. She has it all displayed. Well, there's this one porcelain doll and it's always been a little creepy to me it's like in a ski outfit and like all wintry looking and it's really pretty but then i've just always thought dolls like that were creepy so we went in the church one night to get some food me and my sister jessica and we were talking and i was talking about how creepy that doll was and we were talking about the doll and i was just you know it, it freaks me out i don't like it you know i don't look at it or anything like that and the corner of the far wall and it's a pretty big it's like the one big room where all the pews and stuff were so it's a pretty big area right there well in the one corner there's a shelf and the doll was on the top shelf of the it's like a four tier shelf the doll was on the top shelf so you have to go all the way to the opposite end of the church to turn the lights off so we got done fixing our food and we were going out of the church when well, my sister went before me and she was like, hey, go turn the lights out. So I walked across to go turn the lights out and I turn the light off and I'm walking and I get about halfway to the door and I hear a noise over in that corner. And it sounded like a bang, like something had fallen off the shelf. So I had my phone on me, so I take my phone out and I turn the flashlight on and I look over there and I swear the doll had moved. And I was like, no, there's no way that doll moves. There's no way that doll moved. So I walk over there closer to the doll and I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's no way this doll moved. No way this doll moved. So I'm getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the doll. And next thing I know, the doll is looking at me. I ran out of the church screaming. I never went back in there until my sister took the doll and put it somewhere. And I don't know where it is now. And that kind of scares me even more. 
and I don't like going in there because I'm afraid of this doll. I swear it looked at me. Hi. I have just a little kind of ghost story from a long time ago when I was in, I think, sixth grade. One spring evening, my best friend and I were um, outside and like neighborhood kids were playing and it was just around dusk. I was going to walk my best friend, Heather. Um, she lived down the street. I was gonna walk her halfway home and then walk home. So we started doing that and um, the house right next to my family's house had been abandoned for about a year. And that was pretty weird for our neighborhood. A family had lived there who nobody really ever got to know very well. And then I think the mom and kids moved out. And then at some point the dad left, but nobody really knew when. And it was all just weird and mysterious. And so this house had been empty for quite some time. And the, grass and the you know shrubs were all overgrown so anyway we start walking just as we are crossing kind of like the property line where it would be the, on the street like my house my yard and their yard we both kind of stop in our tracks as we see the same thing coming from the door the front door of the abandoned house and what we saw was this long, tall, narrow, cloud-like figure. It moved from the front door area of the empty house, across their front yard, across the street, right in front of us, probably about 30 or 40 feet in front of where we were. And it just kept going and it went into the neighbor across the street into their yard and then kind of down behind our house in the shadows. And this thing, cloud-like, wispy, like, wispy thing, did not resemble a human. There was no face or limbs. No part of it touched the earth. And um, I think one of the weirdest things was that it just glided. Like there was no motion, no like moving, you know, walking or jogging up and down kind of motion. It was very smooth as it moved. So we just both saw it, which is kind of comforting, you know, to have both witnessed the same thing. But we like just stopped in our tracks and like, you know, each one clutched the other one's arm and we were just kind of stammering like, what is that? Did you see that? And so the whole thing happened in like, 10 seconds maybe and we stood there for a moment just trying to process you know what we saw what it could have been what it was and there was nothing i mean we had nothing there's no way it was a person and it didn't take long it was, meanwhile it was getting darker and we just realized like well whatever we saw we still have to just get on with it so we just ran ran down the street toward Heather's house and then she ran home and I ran home. I told my family about it and they weren't necessarily disbelieving, but um, nobody else had ever encountered anything. So yeah, nothing really came of it. Heather and I didn't, we were freaked out, but we didn't feel like 
there was nothing threatening coming from it. We didn't feel like this thing had seen us or anything. It definitely opens your eyes and your mind to um, the possibility that there's a lot of things out there that definitely cannot be explained. Hello, uh, my name is Celine, and I am from Boston, Massachusetts, but have been living in Connecticut for the past several years. Um, this is a true story that happened to me in March and April of last year, 2020. Quick shout out, love the podcast. Uh, completely binged it all last year when I was working home alone, and it was the best. So, wanted to share my story. So my partner and I had been looking to move uh, in March of last year. Not the best timing, <laughs> but that's okay. So I had always wanted to live in an old mill building. So we found an old mill building that was in our price range and we went to go visit one of the units and the unit was absolutely stunning. It was carpeted, but they had plans to remove the carpeting and put in hardwood floor. There were floor-to-ceiling windows, the kitchen was huge and beautiful, and there was so much light, and we have a cat, and I just imagined him sunning himself in the window, and it was perfect. So when we walked in, uh, initially in the living room, as I mentioned, it was carpeted, but there was a large square of carpet that had been removed, and, you know, I asked, what, what happened? And... That was when I had found out that they were going to be putting the hardwood floors in. And, you know, the landlord that was showing us the unit, he explained to us that they had removed that part of the carpet just to see what was underneath. Um, since it was such an old building, they needed to figure out what sort of insulation and everything that they needed to put in the hardwood floors. Fine. Great. So, needless to say, we signed the lease, of course. Um, the price was right. We needed somewhere to go. We were worried with COVID. Like, this place was a godsend at the time. So we signed the lease, and we weren't able to see it again until April um, because we had to wait for the renovations to be done. So April comes along. We get the keys. We go into the unit, and we open the door, and everything is beautiful. Sunlight's coming through, hardwood floors, new floors in the kitchen, absolutely stunning. And I took one step over the threshold into the unit, we shut the door behind us, and I immediately felt like I was going to pass out. I started feeling sick to my stomach. I had a pulsing migraine in the back of my head, uh, around my neck, radiating up to the top of my head, just the most severe migraine-like pain I've experienced basically ever. Um, and I just remember crying, just hyperventilating, crying. And it was like I was watching myself from an outside perspective crying, like I couldn't control my body type of crying. And my partner was just like, what is going on? And he led me into the kitchen and I, I managed to get down to the floor and I was sitting on the floor with my back against the cabinets and I was just sobbing and words were just coming out of my mouth that I wasn't even processing in my brain and making myself say it was like I was just word vomiting and I was just repeating again and again this is not our apartment this is not our apartment we do not belong here I want to go home I want to go home and you know my partner at the time thought I was having a panic attack and maybe I was I 
I don't know. I can't explain that. I felt so panicked and so anxiety-ridden, and I just knew I needed to get out. So fast forward, we, we make it home after my little episode and I'm profusely apologizing to my partner because we've already put down money for the apartment and, you know, a lot, a lot is riding on that apartment. You know, we're not, we, we gotta go, right? We gotta move. I tried to calm down and I couldn't and I just kept finding myself repeating to him that we needed to find a new place to live, that that apartment didn't belong to us. And he just kept explaining, you know, well, it, it does belong to us now. You're probably just weirded out because, you know, none of our stuff is in there. Once we have our stuff in there, you're going to love it. You know, our, our cat is going to have a place to sit. And we're going to have our awesome couch in there, you know, all of our belongings, and it's going to feel like home. And I was like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. And I went to bed. And the next morning... I actually knew someone that was living in that apartment complex that we were going to be moving into. So I asked her to do some investigating just to find out like about our hallway that we were going to be living in, you know, what our neighbors were like, just to get an idea. Maybe more information would like make me feel more comfortable about the situation. And I gave her our unit number and, you know, I turned my phone over and sort of went about my day. I, I didn't want to be glued to my phone because I was already so anxiety-ridden. I needed to distract myself. And I came back to my phone a few hours later, and I had a message from her saying, Okay, so we're going to have to save your apartment. <laughs> and when I tell you my heart dropped, it dropped all the way down to my toes. Maybe even further through the floor. <laughs> um, and I said... Why is that? And she proceeded to explain to me that in February of that year, so a month prior to when we had went to visit the apartment initially, the man that lived in that unit had committed suicide and he wasn't found in the unit until several weeks later. I looked up the man's obituary and everything lined up. The dates lined up. Everything lined up. I had to fact check it. I couldn't just take, you know, her word for it. I needed to see it for myself. And there it was right in front of me. So needless to say, you know, we did not move into the apartment. We were able to transfer our lease to another apartment in the complex. And we've been living in that new apartment without any issues, knock on wood, ever since. So that's my story. Hope you enjoy. Happy haunting season. Hey Liz, this is Kaylee and I have a spooky story for you. So growing up, my family had a bunch of antique furniture in our house. Um, some of it came from my Nana and some of it my mom bought out at antique stores or wherever. And one of the things that we had in our house was an old deacon's chair. And I can send a picture if you guys want, but um, for those that don't know, which I didn't until I was pretty old, a deacon's chair um, is usually in a church where there are deacons. I don't really know what their job is, but um, that's my limited knowledge of what a deacon's chair is. So they're associated with the church. Um, what we didn't know at the time was that this particular deacon's chair had come from a church in Wales um, that had actually burnt down. So that leads in to the spooky story that I have. So 
I was pretty young. I was probably about four or five when I actually saw our ghost and we called him Deacon John because we figured out that he was associated with the chair. He was probably a deacon. Um, and the reason why we knew that was because our cats would freak out. Every time they walked past the chair, they'd be hissing and all floofed up and just really didn't like it. So we thought, okay, there's something going on. Trust your pets. Um, I was really young and, you know, kids see ghosts all the time, I guess, which is just wonderful now that I'm older and thinking about having kids. I'm terrified. So I would see him pretty frequently. And when I saw him, he was wearing a long, either black or blue kind of robe or cloak or something like that. He looked relatively young. He looked in his 30s. Um, to me as a kid, he seemed like an adult, but he also seemed like a young adult. I mean, I would say that 20s or 30s is young. Um, so every time I saw him, he didn't really seem threatening, although I was a little kid, so I was obviously terrified that there was some random guy in my house that nobody else could see. So one of the times that I saw him that sticks out the most, I was asleep in my room and I would usually sleep with my knees tucked up to my chest because I was a little anxious kid and I was facing my door and I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw Deacon John standing next to my bed and he had his hand kind of over me, not touching me, but over me. And he was swinging this incense or smoke ball that he had around his neck back and forth. And he seemed like he was praying or just saying something over me, which looking back as an adult um, kind of is a sweet thing, I guess, where you know maybe he was praying over this little kid. Um, so he thought he was doing something really nice, but to me, as a little kid, I was terrified. I started screaming and crying, ran, but probably threw him into my parents' room, freaking out. I was so scared. Um, so that was one of the times that I saw him. Another time, I remember I would see him at the top of our stairs pretty often, like he would be going downstairs. And then my sister and I would go to go up the stairs and we would see him and we would say, nope, never mind, and run out of there. So, um, you know, looking back, it's a little bit more lighthearted. Um, in the moment, it was terrifying. And ultimately, my parents decided that they needed to do something because they were like, you know, our kids are getting totally freaked out. They're hearing footsteps on the stairs when no one's there, or upstairs when everyone's downstairs. Um, both my parents wear glasses, and they would see reflections of somebody walking behind them when they were home all alone. Just really creepy little things um, kept happening, and obviously the animals were freaking out. So my parents made the decision to try and send him on to the best of their knowledge. We're not really religious, so it was kind of just a, hey dude, you're in our house and you're scaring our kids and you're scaring us. And my parents said that they kind of said that out loud in the room 
Um, they didn't really know if he was there or not because they couldn't see him. But they said, hey, you're scaring our kids. We don't think that you mean to scare them, but we want to let you know that you've passed on and you got to go find the light or, or whatever's next. Um, but you don't belong here. Um, you're stuck somewhere that you don't belong. You need to move on. And we never heard anything strange or saw anything in the house again. Um, another kind of interesting close to the story, I had this puzzle that was like a farmyard when I was little. Um, and one of the pieces was of the sky with the sun and the clouds and everything. Obviously big pieces because I was a little kid. Um, and one time I put it up on top of the deacon's chair because there was like a lid that you could flip up and then you could store things on top of it. And I put it up there. I didn't know that my parents had sent him on because I didn't even know what that meant. Um, but I had put it up there and when I pulled it back down after they had sent him on to wherever, um, the sky piece was missing from my puzzle. And I was a pretty meticulous kid, so I wouldn't have lost it myself. Um, we couldn't find it anywhere in the house. There was no reason why it was gone, but it was gone. And so I kind of like to think of that as him taking it on and saying, okay, this is, you know, I went up into the sky or wherever, you know. Um, just kind of a really spooky, but also really kind of lighthearted, sweet story. So thank you for the podcast. I love it. Hi, Liz. This is Chelsea. So when I was a new nurse back in 2008, I was uh, working on a telemetry floor. And um, the new nurses typically have to work the night shift, and that's what I did. Um, my floor was a very big unit. There were about 40 beds and it was two long hallways and you could only enter from one side. So if you had patients at the end of the hallway, you were kind of secluded by yourself. And the story was that um, that particular corner at the end of the hallway, those rooms were haunted. And of course, you know, the older nurses would embellish, you know, a little bit and tell some stories and try to scare us new nurses. Well, one night I had patients down at that far corner. So I was essentially by myself um, at the nurse's station and with my patients down there. And um, I had a patient and she was an elderly patient and she was sick, but she, you know, was comfortable, able to talk to me, could take care of herself for the most part. And, um, when I went to check on her to do my rounds, she asked, she said she wanted to get ready. And I was like, okay, I wasn't really sure what she was getting ready for. I thought maybe she meant bed because it was in the, you know, it was evening time. And she's like, yeah, I want to brush my hair. I want to put in my, my false teeth. Um, I was like, okay, that's fine. I can help you do those things. And she wanted to put on her eyeglasses. And then she asked if she could put on some of her jewelry. And I was like, okay, well, it's not really for me to tell you not to, so sure, I'll help you get ready. So I did. And the evening went by like a normal evening, taking care of my other patients and things. And it was probably sometime after midnight, and my patient passed away. 
Now she was a do not resuscitate, so there was no intervention. Um, but she passed away, and it it was a little bit of a surprise, but not a total shock. So I had to call her daughter and let her know what happened. And when I did, her daughter told me that she wasn't surprised at all. And I was like, oh, really? Like, how did, why were you surprised? How did you know? And she said, well, my mom had called me earlier in the day and told me that her brothers and sisters and her mother came to visit her. And I was like, really? I didn't know that she had any visitors today. And she was like, no, all of those family members are dead. I was like, oh. And she was like, yes, my mom didn't want to tell you or the other hospital staff because she was afraid that we would think she was crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh. And the patient's daughter told me that um, her family members told her to get ready, get dressed, because they're going to take her. <laughs> Super creepy, because that's exactly what happened. Um, I've had a lot of other creepy stories, but that one will stick with me for a long time. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I want to tell you a story about something that happened when I was attending one of the local community colleges several years ago, and please excuse the dog shuffling noises in the background. Um, so for reference, this is not, you know, an austere university with an impeccable record and uh, beautifully kept grounds. It looks more like a badly put together office building. It's all kind of grody, grayish, bluish carpet tiles and uh, kind of dingy white floor tiles and fluorescent lights is kind of the scheme going on inside. And about the only thing you can say about the campus is that at night you can see the rocket from the parking lot and anybody from the Huntsville, Alabama area will probably know exactly where I'm talking about just from that description alone. So at the time I was going there, they had a graphic design course that took place, gosh, I think it was Somewhere between 9 or 10 o'clock at night is when the class started. So I was frequently not getting out of there till, the, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Um, if not, maybe a little bit later. Probably a little bit later. Um, the teacher was pretty good about letting you go as you finished your work. And obviously you could work on a lot at home if you had the proper equipment. Uh, but I didn't, and I tended to dilly-dally, so one night I found myself leaving, actually, after the teacher had left. Uh, I realized that it's rather late and that I should pack up and go. My friend is waiting to meet me. At the time, she would walk over from her college campus and, uh, just spend the day in mine because the Wi-Fi signal was better. And uh, then I would meet her upstairs at the end of the day and we would walk over through an industrial area because we are very smart people in the dark to her dorm where we would stay the night. So uh, I leave the classroom and I notice from the corner of my eye that a man comes out of a classroom behind me and I think, oh, 
you know, he must have also stayed late working or studying or doing something and realized that the building was probably about to close. So he, you know, is leaving at the same time. But as we're walking down the hallway, I noticed something a little bit odd. He never passes me. And the only reason that's odd is that I have kind of a bad leg. And I walk pretty slowly for the most part. So most people who are in a hurry and trying to leave are going to end up walking past me in most situations. And he never walked past me and he never really seems to get any closer. He just sort of keeps the same distance following me. Uh, the classroom I was in was downstairs. It was a two-story building. So it was downstairs at the back of the building in all of its uh, spooky, flickering, uh, badly installed fluorescent lighted glory. <laughs> um, and where I needed to go was at the front of the building on the first floor. So I am walking down the hallway with this man following me and trust me at this point the song Twisted Nerve is just playing on a loop over and over and over again in my head. We get to the stairwell and by the way just so you know going into it there are exactly two doors into this stairwell. There is the door on the second floor and there is the door on the first floor. The, those are the two doors. There are two options. So I go to the door and I open it for him because for one thing we're in the south and you are expected to be polite to everyone at all times, um, at least to their face. And for another thing, I kind of want this guy to stop following me. So I take the opportunity, open the door for him, and he does eventually pass me and go up into the stairwell. And he kind of waves at me. I still don't get a really good look at him. Not that it would matter. Uh, I also have that facial blindness issue that I think you mentioned in an episode. Um, so even if I had seen his face, I certainly couldn't recall it, especially at this late date. So he goes up the stairs, I hear him walking up the stairs, and I hear him leave out the door at the top of the stairwell. And I'm like, oh good, this man is gone. Thank goodness he didn't, you know, wait in the stairs for me or something weird like that. So I also go up the stairs, I come out the door, and my friend is waiting for me near the stairwell door because she knew that's where I was coming out at. And I mentioned something as like, you know, oh, hey, did you see that guy or something like that? And she went, what guy? And I said, you know, the guy who came out, like, probably 30 seconds before I did, you know, that guy. And she said, no, there has been nobody here all night. Well, I mean, not all night, but, you know, there's been nobody there for the past little bit. The only person she has seen coming out of that stairwell was me. In 1965, I was five years old. We moved into the following house. It was moved to its current location so that a high school could be built. The house and school are still occupied. Not until I was about 12 did I overhear my mom telling my aunt about Mrs. Smith. Mr. and Mrs. Smith were previous occupants of the house. Mrs. Smith was bedridden. Often, Mr. Smith would bring women into the house to the bedroom that was occupied by my parents. 
My mother would wake up to a silhouetted woman weeping at the foot of the bed. If my mother got up to try to comfort her, Mrs. Smith would fade away. My father never experienced Mrs. Smith. My two brothers' bedroom was where Mrs. Smith was bedridden, the room next to where her husband brought women. Often my brothers would see Mrs. Smith standing in their doorway just as my mother would see her. They, being teenage boys, simply flipped over and fell back to sleep. My parents were very social and often were away for the weekend. My brothers and I would be in the den watching TV and hear the kitchen cabinet doors open but never close. We just figured because the cabinets were made of wood and we lived in the southwestern part of Virginia, humid summers, they were popping open due to being swollen from the dampness of the humidity, but also kept happening all winter long. Once when my brother's girlfriend was over, we were watching TV, early 1970s model, and the silhouette of a woman walked in front of the TV. The TV show still played, but as she crossed it, it would static snow her silhouette. When she heard the explanation, the girlfriend never came back. Only once did I witness Mrs. Smith. My brothers had moved out and I would often sleep in their room. I was in bed facing the doorway and a weeping Mrs. Smith appeared. Like my mother, I rose to comfort her and she walked away into the wall that led to the den. My mother was raised Catholic in Germany. She consulted a priest. He told her to sheetrock my brother's bedroom door and make another opening into the den, which we did. We never heard from Mrs. Smith again. Hi, Liz. Um, in your listener, spooky listener stories, there was a story from a woman in Canada who said that she had uh, had an experience where she'd heard her sister come home before her sister actually came home and it immediately reminded me um, very much of a phenomenon that is uh, known about widely in Norway where I'm from and also in I think Scandinavian folklore in general called Vardergir um, and it's it, it's almost like deja vu but in reverse so it's an experience where you can hear or see or even communicate with or smell apparently i haven't experienced that myself but uh, a person before they actually arrive in the location where you can see smell hear or talk to them um and i know that we say that the person who has vardergir is the person that you can hear or see before they actually arrive um, and my mother has told me previously that uh, it was something that I did quite a lot, apparently. I mean, I didn't do it necessarily, but she used to hear me come home from school and unlock the front door, step into the outer hallway, take off my shoes, take off my jacket, bang the inner hallway door open, and she would look out to see me, and I wasn't there. And I wouldn't arrive for maybe another 10, 15, 20 minutes. And when I did, uh, I would do the whole thing over again. The whole rigmarole only. This time I was actually there. And it would be the same kind of noises and everything as when I had arrived before I arrived. Um, I know several other people in my family have had... Uh, wherein people have heard them arrive and seen them arrive before they actually have and 
uh, I've had a few experiences where I've heard um, my father, for instance, drive into the driveway of our old house and I've heard him bang the car door and, you know, stop the engine and everything and come up the steps, unlock the door and then there's nothing and it's complete silence and while that experience in and of itself can be a little bit scary, it's never a negative experience I don't think it doesn't have any negative energy or anything about it but it's certainly a strange and um, it's weird but I think everyone I know that is Norwegian uh, knows about it and most people have some kind of experience with it and it just sounds a lot like the story that your listener was telling you um, it sounds almost exactly like the same thing and I'm wondering if maybe it is and if it's a global spanning phenomenon that you know uh, might have uh, old roots yeah thank you wow that is very cool that is wild <sighs> to imagine that that's just something that happens all the time everywhere very cool Thank you everyone who called in and shared a story with us. That was a really good batch. I meant to mention in the beginning that I don't know what's going on. Some people have left stories and they were really garbled and other ones I just couldn't uh, hear. The audio just wasn't good. Some cut off for whatever reason. They don't show up in order on this Telby thing, online thing. So, if it comes out of order and I just can't figure it out, I can't include the story. I'm sorry. Or if it's garbled or, you know, if the audio isn't good. So, if you don't hear your story, that is likely the reason why. I'm very sorry because I'm so appreciative of you guys calling in and sharing these awesome spooky tales. Um, alright. That's it for this week. I'm going to see you back here next Friday. Same place, same time, hopefully with a new Ghost in the Burb story. Until then, good night, sleep tight, and don't forget your nightlight.